Uh, we are only eight days from Christmas. I'm wondering, how did yours go? In fact, here's what I want you to do. Turn to someone next to you. You can either share your, your favorite gift that you gave or the favorite gift that you received. But let's talk about gifts for a second as we get going this morning. Turn to someone next to you. Favorite gift you gave or received, go. Jeff, you done? You didn't even talk. You done? All right, all right, just making sure. You don't think I can see it, do you? I can totally see it. Okay, uh, everybody done? Okay, on the count of three, whether you're here uh, in the room or online, we're going to say our favorite gift given or received on the count of three. One, two, three. Well, I'm glad you gave or received that. That's very nice. Um, Christmas at our house was very utilitarian this year. We have adult children. We gave mostly hint gifts. Does anybody give hint gifts? Like appliances? Like get out of my house and go use your own appliances? <laughs> I love my kids. My boys are staying with me. They're going to get their first place together this year, uh, God willing. If anybody has a place to rent to my sons, I'll be right up here. After. I'm not kidding. If you have a place to rent to my kids, I'll be right out and I will make it very much worth your while. But uh, um, but that's what we give now. We give gifts that basically say move out. Or uh, like I gave my son a, a, a beard trimmer. You know why I gave him that? Because I'm sick of him using mine. That's why I gave him a beard trimmer. All right, uh, sorry. <laughs> I should probably see a therapist. Anyway, um, it wasn't always this way at my house. We, we watched a video on my, my wife's birthday is the week before Christmas. And so she gets to pick the whole day. Uh, what we do, and so she decided to watch the old videos. Does anybody have videos from Christmas like 20 years ago? Some of you are older like me, and so those videos are, are you know, precious because your kids are five and six and seven in those videos. My daughter Kai, every time she opened a present in this video from 20 years ago, she exclaimed, you know, with full voice, it's what I always wanted, like every time, right? Uh, but the miracle of Christmas in that form no longer exists in our home. It's like Here's your toothbrush. Move. Anyway, um, all right. That's Christmas. Here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of uh, move out from there. Uh, we're going to talk about gifts today or, or a specific gift today. And, and I was wondering this as I was getting ready. Uh, what is your uh, most wow gift ever? It doesn't have to be the biggest gift ever. It doesn't have to be the most expensive gift ever. But it's the gift that you received at some point in your life that was right on time, it wasn't expected, it was exactly what you needed, it was the wow gift. You know what I'm talking about? So turn to someone next to you. If you don't, you can just be quiet for these next few seconds. But if you do know what I'm talking about, turn to someone next to you, tell, you, tell them what that wow gift was from your life at some point. The wow gift. How's it going? They're talking. I won't interrupt them. How are you guys doing? You guys doing okay? You don't want to talk? You guys all get to talk to each other, and I'm standing up here by myself, and then I try to talk to you, and you don't even talk to me. It's hurtful. Everybody done? All right, I'm not going to have you yell that one, uh, but I, I, it, certainly in an age where social media is so prevalent, a lot of these uh, you know, wow gifts make their way onto videos on Facebook and Instagram and all this stuff. I was watching one recently, a friend of mine bought his son a car at 16, that's probably his wow gift, right? 
Wasn't expecting it. He had just gotten his license. He had been told over and over again by his parents, we're not getting you a car. No way are we getting you a car. And of course, they had been lying the whole time, which I think God's okay with. But uh, uh, they had gotten him a car. They had taken this kid out. He was driving. His dad had secretly, has anybody done this? You put the phone on, the video on secretly, right? So that he doesn't know he's being filmed. And then the conversation starts. Who's parking in our driveway? And the kid's like, I don't know. That's kind of you know, a, a, a jerk move. You can't be parking in someone's driveway. Yeah, that's a really nice truck, though. You like Or whatever it was, a car truck. And he's like, oh, it's super cool. I wish I had one like that. And then his dad gets to say, you have one like that. And the kid can't, like, pick it up right away. Has anybody seen this video? He's like, you know, or something like it. He's like, what? He's like, yeah, your mom and I bought you a car. It's right there. He's like, what? And then, and then like, the car starts shaking because the kid starts, you know, just, um, you know, freaking out in the front seat and the phone flips over and all you got the shot of the ceiling and stuff like that. Somebody, yeah, uh, it's an exciting moment when a kid gets a car. My, my most exciting or exciting or most wow gift in our history uh, for Eleanor and I uh, came in uh, 19, excuse me, 2001. I was preaching at the church I worked at in Dallas, and uh, a little background. Uh, that year, uh, we had gone on a, a mission trip to Africa with some of our students. I was a youth pastor at the time. And, uh, and Eleanor and I had been married uh, for nine years in 2001, our anniversary uh, or our, our wedding, whatever, was in 1992. So for our 10th year anniversary, we had all these plans on doing the honeymoon that we'd never done. Like we had a honeymoon, we took some time off, but we was po, 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 po. And so we opened our gifts, this is not a joke, we opened our gifts, whatever money was in the gifts, or in the, in the cards, that's what we had for our honeymoon, and we just drove around uh, Indiana and in central Illinois, and we stayed at some hotels. We actually spent the majority of our honeymoon at a, a ministry for pastors who are, uh, you know, basically unable to pay to go somewhere to go and stay at this farm. So we stayed at a farm for my, you know, big spender mark. Here we are. Anyway, uh, uh, so we didn't really have the honeymoon, and we didn't really care, you know, we honeymoon. Anyway, uh, <laughs> do the math. Didn't matter where we were staying anyway. All right, so. But we'd never been on a nice trip. We'd never, for 10 years in marriage, we'd never gone away as a couple on a big vacation or anything like that. And so we'd been saving up our air miles to be able to do this. We, you know, that was the way that we were going to make these flights. <sighs> Longer story shorter, the mission strips required us to actually have our children cared for. We looked it up. You can't leave a four, five, and six-year-old by themselves for two weeks. You can't do it. We checked everywhere. Illegal. So we took our air miles that we were going to use for our 10th anniversary trip, and we flew our parents down to be able to watch our kids. And that, oh yeah, okay, but it's going to get good here. So that, that was kind of where we were, right, until I started preaching this message in the summer of 2001. And then this, this guy whose uh, kids were in my youth group, he's a lawyer in Dallas, successful guy, he starts walking up to me. We were good friends. Uh, he, he was, you know, just always gave me, you know, garbage and, and made fun of me. And so he just starts walking up to me, shaking his head. And I think he's going to start ripping on me for the sermon or something I had said. So I'm already in jokester mode. And I'm like, what's your problem, Kevin? <laughs> and Kevin walks up and he says, I have no idea why I'm doing this. But here's the deal. My wife and I have a timeshare in Kauai. And while you were preaching, God told me to fly you there uh, sometime in the next uh, couple months because we can't go this year. And we want you to have a week in Hawaii is where Kauai is. Uh, on us. Jaw hits the floor, eyes bug out. I motion to Eleanor. I say, tell her what you told me. She starts laughing, crying, jumping, hysterics. Are you with me? The whole thing. And, uh, and that was the biggest wow gift ever because we had basically just, you know, said, ah, we'll do this. And, and, and on uh, the week after uh, 9-11 uh, in 2001, that was that year, 
Uh, we got on an empty airplane <laughs> and we flew to Kauai, which was also empty, and we had one of the best weeks of our lives. Um, can I tell you what happened when he uh, offered that gift to us? I didn't check my calendar to see whether or not I could go. You know why? Because whatever was on my calendar in that week that he wanted us to go there, it was now off my calendar. Are you with me? Because this doesn't happen. Free trips to this you know, exotic paradise uh, doesn't happen. And whatever was going to happen will not happen because we're going on that. What I uh, experienced there was what we all experience. When you're given a wow gift, it changes your so now plans. Everybody with me on that? Uh, I, I didn't consult my calendar. I just said an immediate yes, and I figured out or you know, committed to figuring out the details later. Uh, when I met my wife, Eleanor, and started to fall in love with her, um, that wow gift of our relationship just started rearranging all the priorities of my 19-year-old life. Uh, I, I wanted to be with her as much as possible. I would uh, make excuses to kind of be in the path that she would be walking on as she was going from class to class. I was a stalker, in, in essence, is what I was going on. Um, back before we had phones to text on, you could leave messages, in, 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 in her case, in her dorm on this message board. And I would just pepper this message board with, with messages, vapid, <laughs> non-consequential um, messages, but I just couldn't stop thinking about her and because she had, and still is, after 30, we'll be 30 years married in February, but after 30 years, she still is God's greatest earthly gift to me and it rearranges, not because she makes me, not because I have to, because I'm her husband, but because I love her. It re like we were, we were hugging the other day. We have a moment? Let's have a moment together. Shall we have a moment? And you know, husbands and wives hug and give a quick kiss, but then every once in a while you hug and you give that quick kiss and it turns into like, oh yeah, you're my favorite. And I'm just going to kind of stay here for a second. And we're going to gross our kids out. And they're going to say, get a room. And I don't even care. But we're going to mug down in our kitchen. Why? Because this is one of the wow gifts of my life. The, in uh, human terms, the biggest wow gift. And it changes my so now. Are you with me? Hopefully you, hope you are. So what's this got to do with God's word and where we're going today? Well, here's, here's just the... Uh, the central truth that we rally around as a church, that any church should rally around. Jesus is the greatest wild gift after. He's the greatest wild gift that's ever hit the planet. And so we should allow our, or should align our so now plans with his at all times. If, if you're not picking up what I'm putting down every week when I come up here, that's basically it. There is a God. We are, um, because of sin, separated from him in life, plagued, crippled in walking with him in life. But we here, if we've believed that, understand that he's the greatest gift. We don't deserve Jesus. He is a grace upon a grace upon a grace. And because he is so amazing, because God the Father is so good and loving and merciful to us through Christ, we should, in awe of him, align in our entire lives around him and his purposes. That's who we are. But we are, as Christians, Super prone to losing our wow for God. Like, I don't know, you know, good on you. You made it here this morning. I know there's Omicron and whatever going on. Uh, and if you're online, thanks for joining us there. Lots of folks just couldn't be bothered with God this morning. Had other things going on. Tons of distractions in the world that we live in. You know, uh, nefarious and benign, both. 
Uh, a lot of times, if we allow these distractions to become too powerful, we start thinking dumb. Distractions lead to dumb, or at least dull. And, and we can be kind of like uh, the world has been since the first humans, uh, brought into, you know, attitudes of deconstruction. Well, maybe it's not like we thought with God. Maybe God doesn't care what we do. Maybe we're, you know, able to be like him, like Adam and Eve thought when they uh, committed the first sin. Maybe, maybe these things that the words say don't as matter as much, or they don't pertain to me, just everybody else. And, um, and then there's the hard things that come in life, right, that kind of rob us of our wow for God. We go through discouraging moments, seasons uh, where we're just not sure he's paying attention or that he's for us. Maybe he's even against us. And we begin to doubt. And uh, disillusionment is not too far away. Um, As we start a new year together, first sermon, I could say a whole bunch of things about how you do life, the practices of your life. I don't want to go there yet. I'll talk about those in weeks to come. I just want to make sure your wow is where it needs to be in terms of you and God. Are you in awe of the God who made you? Are you in awe of the God who sustains you and continues to drive for you? Are you in awe of the God who has gone before you into your future and awaits you there? Are you in awe of him? I know we sing the songs. I know we, we've gathered here in this room. I'm not talking about all the machinations of our faith. I'm asking you personally, are you in awe of the one true God? Because if you're not, the follow's going to be hard. Going after him as your way maker will be difficult. This year, my prayer for us as a church, first and foremost, is that we'll maintain, obtain, reobtain, whatever, our wow for God. And that our so now will be surrendered to him because of it, as we pursue him and his will. In a couple of weeks, I'm excited to start a new series with guys. I'm going to call it The Better Family. Uh, it's going to be fun. We're getting creative with it. It'll be cool. Uh, but for the next two weeks, I'm going to spend our time uh, together in the Book of Romans. Uh, this week and next, uh, in portions of this incredible treatise of theology. It's probably one of your... Um, most dense theological books in the Bible. Just has tons to say. In fact, for 11 chapters, uh, it, it unpacks for us uh, how all of us uh, are, are sinners. There is none righteous, no, not one, it says in chapter three. And how um, uh, to become righteous, it's not about what we do and the things that we effort in, it's about a faith. In fact, it says in, in Romans chapter four that by faith, Abraham was conferred righteousness. It's by faith that we are made right. And it goes on. It talks about salvation and, and how things, you know, work in this life that we have with God. It's incredible. Read it. It's, it's just, it's thick and dense and it's 11 chapters long. And then it gets to chapter 12, uh, which uh, I'm going to read with you right now. Everybody read this with me out loud. Everybody ready? Chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. Are you reading? I can't really hear you. Let's start over. I, can, I couldn't hear you. Here we go. You ready? I, t- I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable 
and perfect. Okay, who's heard one? Anybody heard those verses before? Yeah, a couple of us have. Very familiar in the Christian walk. And, and, and just so you can kind of, you know, uh, congeal the book of Romans, 11 chapters of theology, and now methodology, right? Here's what we think, now here's what we do. In light of God's mercies, we present ourselves as these holy and acceptable sacrifices, like being priests of ourselves and offering ourselves to God. It's our, it says they're spiritual worship. It, it's the Greek word logikos for spiritual there. It's our logical move. In light of all that we know, here's what we do. We don't conform to the world and its patterns. We're transformed by the renewing of our minds. And we let these new thoughts govern us and lead us towards the, the perfect will of God, the, the, the right things that he would have us follow him in. It's 11 chapters of that, theology, and then starting in chapter 12, you got methodology. And, and for the next four chapters, that's pretty much what you got in Romans. It's kind of like math. If you just leave it there, it's kind of like math. If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals what? Yeah, it's just kind of like logical. Here, this, this is true, so now we live this. But if you read your Bibles, and we're going to read a portion that uh, we haven't read yet here, um, you're going to see that oftentimes, as the Holy Spirit inspires the authors of our scriptures to write, uh, it starts with the truth, the, the theology. It ends with the practice, the methodology. But in between is this little thing called doxology. If you grew up like in, you know, church, uh, maybe you saw in your bulletins growing up that we're going to sing the doxology at some portion of the, uh, of the service. Doxology just is basically a, a hymn of praise. It's logology, logos, words, and doxa, which is glory or praise. It's praise words or glory words. And, and, and the doxology uh, comes not from the head or, or only from the head, but it comes from the heart. It's like the cheers at a, an English uh, football game, an English soccer game, right? People cheering for their teams in song, right? These are um, doxologies of a kind, songs of praise for your favorite soccer team. The church has their own. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Who grew up singing that one? Anybody? Yeah, I did. That's a doxology. And if you read your Bibles, oftentimes, watch for it, theology, doxology, then methodology. What we believe, the wow, and then what we do. Can I take you to the wow here in Romans? I'll do that in just a second, but it, why, why does it work that way? Theology, doxology, methodology. Because people don't do what they know to do. They do what they feel or are passionate about doing. You know how I know that? I'm wearing my fat shirt, okay? I'm wearing my fat shirt at the end of December because usually for the last two weeks of December, I just pull out all the stops and eat whatever I want. Anybody been with me? Some of you have. More, some of you are more disciplined. Good on you. I went to my, uh, my mother's, actually my sister's house in Illinois. My mother had been baking for the whole day prior. And so lined up on my sister's counter was my mom's br uh, brown bread. It's the best brown bread in the world. I'll fight you for it. It's the, it's the best. And then next to that was the cinnamon bread. And then next to that was the blueberry buckle, which I can't even describe except to say it's made from, you know, uh, unicorn tears and elf dander. And it's just, it's just the best confection ever made. 
and, and I, would, I, I got to the house on Monday night, and I just started. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I, uh, some, some, some restaurants have samplers. I have mom samplers. And I just take a piece of everything, and I just keep eating. I can't stop. Some of you say, yes, you can. I know I can. I don't want to stop. In fact, I'm trying to get it in before my brother-in-law and my sisters eat it all, right? And then I have to come home and put on the fat shirt. And I'll, I'm back at it. I'm back at it, Kelly. I'm back at it. We're good. But for a time, I'm doing what I want. And, and listen, God wired us that way. He wired us not just to be people of our heads, but to be people of our hearts. And that's why it's so, it's so crucial. You can't have theology without doxology. Because you will be a, a legalist. You, you, will, you will be, uh, you know, a, a, a box checker. Uh, 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 and, and uh, you know, getting the, 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 the speck out of people's eyes. That, that'll be your mission in life. But you can't be a doxology uh, and without theology person either because then you're just going to get excited about all kinds of stuff that isn't true. The two go together. We know what we know, and we're passionate about it, and we allow what we know to be the aim, the goal, the heart of our lives, and then we go on to doing the things that God wants us to do. So that's so crucial if you're not picking up what I'm putting down. you got to have the wow when it comes to your God. Otherwise, the follow will be rough going. We're going to just do four verses. I'm going to do them really fast. You're going to be amazed. <laughs> and these four verses are basically the doxology that Paul sandwiches between the 11 chapters of theology and the four chapters of methodology. He's going to quote Isaiah. He's going to quote all these great pieces of Scripture. He's going to do it in three groups of three. There's going to be three, are you kidding me, statements. Have you ever said that? That's what I said to my friend Kevin when he came up and gave us Kauai. Are you kidding me? Don't joke about this. It doesn't seem possible, but it sounds like it might be. Are you serious? Paul gives us those, are you kidding me, statements. He, he transitions from those, are you kidding me, statements, to three uh, three rhetorical questions. Everybody knows what a rhetorical question is, right? It's already answered. It just asks for, you know, you ask it for effect. And then it, it culminates uh, with these uh, three inescapable facts about God. So, so three are you kidding me statements, three rhetorical questions, and three inescapable facts about God. If I had to put motions to this, uh, it would be kind of like this. What? Huh? Hmm. You want to try? It's fun. Ready? Go with me. Ready? What? Huh? Hmm. Somebody's going to walk up to me in five years and say, I don't know what you were talking about, but I remember. What? Anyway, all right. Uh, can I go through these real quick? Four verses. First one starts in verse 33 of, Matt, or of Romans chapter 11. Here we go. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. It's just a statement. You know what he's saying? How deep is the wealth and the wisdom of God? He goes depth here because he's basically saying, I don't get it. I haven't touched bottom on this. Have you ever jumped into the shallow end of the pool and found out just how close the bottom was? Don't dive on that end. But there's certain parts of our world where you can dive and never come close to the bottom. There's this, there's this portion of the Pacific Ocean called the Mariana Trench. Anybody ever heard of the Mariana Trench? It's 37,000 feet down. 
Until 1960, we'd never touched bottom in the Mariana, in the Mariana Trench. In fact, uh, Mount Everest could fit in the Mariana Trench and you'd still have two more miles to the surface. Pretty far, right? In 1960, some guys, uh, you know, crazy guys, got in a submarine and went down there. But until then, we had never plumbed the depths of the Mariana Trench. And Paul says here, for effect, um, how deep is God's provision to us and his wisdom over us? How deep is it? We, we have an English word for it, unfathomable. Everybody gets that fathom is the, the depth measurement for oceans, right? Six feet is a fathom. So I don't know how many fathoms that would be. I can't do the math real fast. 6,000 fathoms or something like that to the bottom of the Mariana Trench, right? But when we say unfathomable, we're basically saying, haven't touched bottom on that one. And, and, and Paul says, listen, how deep is the, 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 the riches? One of his favorite words in Romans, if you read it, you'll see it over and over again. The riches of his mercy, the riches of his grace, the riches of his love, riches, riches, riches. God continually lavishes his riches on us. We could think that we can understand them on you know, some level, but we can't begin to plumb their depths. His wisdom is, is un, unsearchable. In fact, he says that in the next uh, two statements. He says, how unsearchable are his judgments? Judgments is the Greek word krim, uh, crema, crema here. It's not like crema, like, like the Spanish. Uh, anyway, it's crime. It's judgment. It's like a verdict. And Paul says, you know, in light of all the 11 chapters of theology that I've given here, can we just pause for a second and be like, wow! Over, over the decision-making of God, over the judgments of God, he does things that we would never do. Grace, not us. Mercy, love, forgiveness, not in us. But he gives them on the regular. He's inexhaustible. How unsearchable are his judgments? And then the final one, the final statement, how inscrutable are his ways? Everybody gets scrutiny, right? It's an eyesight thing. I can't even see how he could create these paths. That's not what the, word, the Greek word for ways is. It's hodos. It means path or route. He, he leads us in ways that I would never even think to go. He, he, he figures out ways for me to get through the, the shadows of the valleys of my death and, and the destruction and the darkness of this world. He, he's, he's, his word is like a light unto my feet, uh, a lamp unto my path. I love that. It's one of my favorite verses in Psalm 119. It's this picture of like Aladdin's lamp, this little wick, this little flicker of, a, of, a, of an oil lamp. And if you were walking through the woods of Israel uh, or in the d deserts of Israel, you would basically take this lamp and you just put it down by your feet and it would light one step at a time. And what, what Paul's basically saying is, I don't know where this path's going, but you give me enough. I don't understand why you're making a way for me, but you are. It's inscrutable. He goes on, he says this, the three rhetorical questions. For no one has known the mind of the Lord. That's basically what he's saying. He asked the question, for who has known the mind of the Lord? Answer, no one. Second question, who has been his counselor? Who has come to God and said, you know what, this would be best, Lord? All of us at some time <laughs> have tried that. How's your prayer life? Lord, here's what I think. I think I should win the lottery, and I promise to give you a bunch, but I think I should win the lottery, or I should get this promotion, or I should have this, or I should have this. This is what I think, Lord. Now make it happen. Let's go. 
But no one has ever been able to advise God. His will is perfect, immutable. It's, it's, it's best. And so even in those moments, we're like, what are you doing? I thought you loved me. How could you let this happen? In those moments. Anybody ever gotten like six months, a year, two years past those moments where you're like, God, what were you doing? And then you look back and you're like, oh, I get it. That's what you were doing. But no one's ever been able to go to God and say, here's how it should be. Because he knows how it should be. Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid. I love this one. Again, the answer to this rhetorical question is who? No one. God owes nobody nothing. <laughs> That's bad English. But it's true. My son, uh, Ben, uh, went into Publix one day. They were having uh, BOGOs on um, M&M ice cream sandwiches. So like uh, M&M cookies and then vanilla ice cream in between. Delicious. Some of my favorite snacks. And this was during the two weeks of the December let go. Are you with me? So I come home, you know, and I walk in there and I open the freezer and I'm like, ah, and I grab one of those things and I just start, you know, enjoying this really bad for you, not food, food. And, uh, and I walk into where he's sitting and he's just kind of looking at me. He's like, oh, who got these? And he's like, I did. I said, oh, so great. Thank you so much. And this is what he said to me. He said, hey, uh, dad, would you mind asking me before you have one of those next time? Okay. Listen, he's a grown man. He paid for them, okay? They're in my freezer, but he paid for them, right? And so as, as, as someone who's trying to respect my adult son and stuff like that, my immediate answer was, ah, oh, sure, bud, absolutely. I'll, 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 I'll be sure to ask you, uh, is it okay if I have this one? And I kept eating it. And it uh, but then I sat down. Who's ever done this? Dad's in the crowd. You're like, hey, wait a minute. Anybody been there? Are you kidding? And this is the next thing. Are you kidding me? How about you sleep outside tonight, buddy? What about that? I'm going to eat, you know what? In fact, I'm going to eat all these right now in front of you. How about that? I didn't, just in case you're wondering. You're like, he looks like he could have done that. I didn't do that. <laughs> is that how God feels with us? Because if I asked you this question on the test today, and I said, how many of us are owed by God? Everybody get it right. None of us are owed by God. But then we go and live our lives, <laughs> and we kind of get like, I think God owes me. Can I confess mine? I was a pastor for 30 years. I'm starting my 31st year of being in the ministry. And I thought for sure, for sure, for sure, that if I gave God my life and served him in full-time ministry, that he would at least do these things, keep my kids close to him. Keep my uh, extended family from experiencing things like divorce. In the last four years, both of those things have left. And you know what I've found out? Subconsciously, subspiritually, I've been kind of creating a ledger in my mind for my God, thinking, you owe me. I did all of this for you. Here's what you need to do for me. And so no wonder then that God is going to those things and for a time allowing them to kind of, mm, not because he wants those things to rest in my kids' lives or my sister's lives or whatever, but because as he's working all things towards, uh, together towards good, he's like showing them like, hey, bro, I don't know you anything. In fact, apart from my grace, this would happen more. 
This should be what happens. But because I love you, I stand in the gap. Then the three inescapable facts. And I'll let you go home. I told you it was going to be short. He ends with this. I love this verse. In fact, if you want to write down a verse and just memorize a verse to start your year, memorize this one. Because to me, this one just kind of covers the whole deal. When I'm kind of getting a little loose, you know, going around the corners of life and kind of getting a little bit, you know, ahead of myself, out over my skis, thinking I'm all that, maybe a bag of chips or two, I need to remember this verse. Here's what it says. Three statements, three prepositional propositions. For from him and through him and to him are how many things? Everything. Let's just break those down. From. That's the Greek preposition, ek, out of. Out of God is everything. He's the creator, the originator, the source of everything that is. Everybody gets that, right? We've kind of mangled it and messed it up, taken his creation and used it for our own purposes, but everything that had its start had its start because of God. He's not just the one whom all things flow from. He's the one who all things work through. From him and through him are all things. That's the Greek preposition dia. means that he's our means, our maintainer, our sustainer. If it's happening in your life, It's happening by the grace of God in your life. If you're sitting next to a family that you've enjoyed a a, a great week of family time with as they've all journeyed from wherever they've journeyed, listen, the blessing that is that family is the grace of a loving God. It is through him that you and I have anything and everything that we have. Now this one's the big one. From him, through him, And what's the last one? To him. It's the Greek preposition, ice. It's a a preposition of destination. He's the recipient, the end game, the owner and the goal of all that exists. It's all from him, it's all through him, and it's all for him. Put that in your theological pipe and smoke it. That is big. And that is awesome. That is wow. So it's no wonder Paul finishes his song of three are you kidding me statements and three rhetorical questions and three facts about his God with this phrase. To him be what? Glory forever. You want to know the more emphatic rendering in English of that Greek sentence? To him alone be all glory, forever without end, without wax or wane or ebb, all things for him, from him, to him, through him, to him and him alone, be all glory forever. He closes with amen there, a word that we say all the time around here as as an affirmation, so be it, this is true. But if you were here a few weeks ago, we know that that comes from the Hebrew word hemena, which means faithful. Referring to God and his faithfulness. 
When we say amen, when Paul writes amen here, he's saying this is faithful, not because I've deduced it to be so, not because I say so, but because God is faithful and has made it so. Amen and amen. So we're done. How's your wow with God? How's your wow? Did you walk in here dutifully? Start the year off right. This is one of your, uh, you know, uh, uh, resolutions. I'm going to go to church more. Cool. Great. Is that all it is? Just a boxy check? Hope not. Because I'm not here about that. I'm not counting heads to see if we're more than this church, maybe less than this one. I want everybody who comes in here to understand, glad you're here, but you need to have some wow when it comes to your God. How's your wow? Are you disillusioned, discouraged, dull, directionless? Are you deconstructing your faith like so many people are doing now? That's what Adam and Eve did to be able to justify and rationalize the first sin. Let's kind of take the whole God thing and make it what we want. Is that you? Can I <laughs> plead with you to get back to the wow? God's not small. His depths have never been reached. His, his, he's amazing. He's, he's inscrutable. He's unsearchable. He's worth our worship and our praise. Jesus was trying to explain these truths to his friends. He told parables, many of them, about the kingdom and about this life with God. He, he gets to Matthew chapter 13, and he, he tells two real short ones. I'll leave you with them. He says, the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man finds and then covers up. And then he, in his joy, he goes and he, he sells all that he has so that he can buy that field and be the owner of that treasure. He says, if you're not picking up what I said there, let me put it in another way. He says, the kingdom of, of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had so they could have that one pearl. If you're in the Christ life, you've found the treasure. You've found the one pearl. And, and you may come to church or you may come to this life with Christ and be like, yeah, it's just who I am. Culturally, I'm a Christian. Uh, you know, doctrinally, I'm a Christian. You know, it's kind of like math to you. My theology leads to my methodology. Don't forget the wow. Don't forget the doxology. We will do what we're most passionate about. And my prayer for this church and every church is that our greatest passion, our greatest wow, will be Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and his Father who sent him so that we might believe in him and have ever lasting life. Wow. Will you pray with me? God, uh, we thank you. <laughs> we, we thank you for everything that Paul was writing about there. Uh, your wealth and your wisdom know no depth. Your, your provision to us, your, your power, your your your. Man, just everything about you is, wow, I can't even form sentences, God, uh, because you defy language. Um, and, and Father, forgive us in the moments of life when, when our, our wow is lost, where we, we, we come to you as if you're not who you are. Forgive us in the moments, God, where we think we're you, <laughs> that we're God and you're not. Forgive us, Lord, for even just 
um, settling into the comfortable dull that can be the Christ life. Here's my prayer for everybody here. First of all, if they don't know you, that they'll, they'll meet you, that you'll, they'll have their first wow experience with your grace and your love and your mercy through Christ. But if, you know, as I'm talking to many of us who know you, if we've kind of settled into a comfortable Christianity devoid of wow, my prayer is simply this. Lead us to awe in you and help us to live this life in light of that awe, serving you, surrendering to you as you would have us, trusting you even when we don't understand what's going on. Give us, give us, our wow for you, God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. That's all I got. I'll tell you more next week. Cool? Come back. We'll hang out. God bless you. Happy New Year.